SEP Fanfic Readings presents What the Room Requires by Olivia Reckham. Chapter 12, Day 10, Hermione. Despite my earlier optimism, I was now reaching the end of my rope. The door in the ground hadn't supplied us with anything new for five days. The wind blew endlessly, which was good for kite flying at first, until I broke the kite. Well, I didn't break the kite. It broke while it was flying, and therefore Draco blamed me. And after that, the wind became abrasive, harsh, and tiring. The exact same thing could be said about the conversations. With growing uncertainty and alarm, I watched things between Draco and me gradually change, or rather, relapse. With the restoration of his foot and the settling familiarity of the room, and without being interrupted by a single nightmare or diversion, Draco did the infuriating but natural thing. He began closing in on himself, rebuilding, putting up walls, regaining his equilibrium. It didn't matter what we'd been through together, because for him, that was unstable ground, awkward and uncomfortable. And he avoided mentioning any of the nightmares like they were the plague. So, step by step, like he was climbing a steep hill, he made his way back to normalcy. And then I recognized him again, like water had been wiped away from a lens. All at once, he was the same cruel, superior Draco Malfoy I'd known since first year, without visible flaw or tenderness. In fact, he was harder, with a more potent presence. He still talked to me, but either he was thinking out loud about how mundane this field was, or he was offhandedly jabbing me. He was comfortable now, casual, but instead of opening up to me as I had hoped, he now put no more thought into his insults than he did into his remarks about the weather. It was like keeping company with a wolf. I missed Harry and Ron so much. It literally made my blood hurt. I would lie awake at night in the silence because Draco refused to sing when I asked him and feel my heart pump pain in the ends of my fingers all the way down through my legs. With every passing hour, I grew more and more lonesome for a friendly word, a happy smile, a feeling of being wanted and loved that I'd so often taken for granted. And it only got worse when Draco opened his mouth. Every single time he spoke, I valiantly fought to keep control of myself. I bit back every retort, every bitter comment I could have made in reply. I constantly reminded myself that this had been my aim. I wanted him to talk. I wanted him to feel comfortable. However, it seemed that the more congenial and inoffensive I tried to act, the more he degraded me and ran me down. As if I was a house elf or a servant. I didn't think he was even conscious of it. But I did know I couldn't bear it much longer. Especially as startling despair began to seep into my chest, like poison that I couldn't extract. Somehow, my moment, the moment I'd already suffered so much to extent, was vanishing. He was slipping out of my reach, and there was nothing I could do to stop it. Hermione In the middle of the tenth day, I set out from the willow. Draco, who had been distractedly reading something, either Pride and Prejudice or Sherlock Holmes, followed me as usual, knocking the curtain aside with undue force. Ah! Brilliant. The wind is out of the northeast for a change, he huffed. I just braced myself against the sound of his voice and didn't turn around. The wind he had just mentioned blustered through my hair. I believe I've walked around this blasted field a thousand times now, Draco declared. Looks like the same as yesterday. This is some room you've thought of, Granger. Because I have every confidence this barley field belongs to you. I have no idea why an endless stretch of grass would be the ideal place to fall into and never get out of. I said nothing, as I had for the past several days in a row. I made straight for the door in the ground. Each time I sought it out, 
I found myself more desperate than before. I knew Draco was only a couple inches away from finishing gathering himself back up, even more cocky and calloused than he had been during our fifth year, and trying with new resolve to get out of here. I needed some sort of distraction, more time so I could think. You going after that door again? he called. What is the point? There hasn't been anything in there since... He jerked on the handle and opened the door, and blinked. Down inside sat a battered cardboard box with a picture of a ruined Scottish catchall on the top, and the words, Puzzle, 500 pieces. I pulled it out with both hands. It rattled. Was there... there was something there? Draco sounded thrown. Ha! I exulted. Draco jogged towards me, then came to look over my shoulder. A puzzle, he realized. Well, that's no good. I gripped it hard, clenching my teeth. A puzzle is best if it's raining out. My head came up. He was considering the puzzle box, his hands in his pockets, a lopsided smile on his face. The sun came out from behind a cloud then and hit the top of his head, lighting it up. His blue eyes met mine, and then he canted his head at me, as if rainy days and puzzles just went together like tea and biscuits. For the first time in what felt like forever, hope shot through me, like a hot flame through the center of my soul. I had a thread, just a thread to hold on to. And then thunder rolled. I leaped to my feet and whirled around. I felt Draco touch my elbow, warning me not to fall into him. I stared up at the sky. It had turned black with rolling clouds, and flashes of lightning lanced through them. And then, all of a sudden, it started to rain. Warm, torrential rain poured down on top of us. I let out a yelp as I kicked the door shut, and then started off as fast as I could toward the willow, Draco running beside me. What is this? Draco cried over the roar of the pelting water. You asked for rain, I reminded him. Since when does it do what I ask? I tried to answer, but then I slipped in the wet grass and almost fell on my face. Draco's hand caught my elbow and yanked me back up, harder than necessary, but at least I didn't take a mouthful of jerk. And we plunged through the willow. Not a drop of water invaded the willow room. Panting, I pushed my wet hair out of my face and turned around, peering back through the gaps in the branches. The barley whipped and lashed with the force of the water and the wind and thunder boomed and rippled. Draco stomped past me, raking his hands through his sopping locks. He picked up the blanket and wrapped it around his shoulders, without even glancing up to see if I was cold. I watched him, going still. The heat within my heart faded. He flopped down on the grass, cross-legged, and pushed the pieces off the chessboard, obliterating the game that I had been two moves away from winning. Bring that puzzle over here, he ordered, his brow furrowed at the board. This'll do for a flat surface. I bit my lip. Hard but I came over, feeling water drip off of me, and tried not to shiver. I knelt down, opened the box, and dumped the pieces on the chessboard. Draco immediately set to work, turning the pieces picture side up, intensely focused. I sighed and began to do the same. All right, well, I had more time, and I could tolerate doing a puzzle with Malfoy and enduring his sarcasm in close quarters for one rainy day. It wouldn't take us longer than that to finish a 500-piece puzzle. Except it wasn't just one day. It kept raining. And it rained all night, and the next day, and the next. No matter how hard we concentrated, and silently pleaded and threatened, it would not stop. Day 13. Hermione. You can't do that, I objected. I sat up from Malfoy, who was lying on his stomach, his Slytherin pillow under his chest, the blanket he had now claimed covering his back. He lifted his cold eyes to mine and gave me a sour look, keeping his hand on his black knight. 
Yes, I can, he insisted. It was my move, and it's still my move. No, it isn't, I cried, disbelief flaring through me. You took your hand away from your knight. No, I didn't. It changed my mind. You can't change your mind once you've taken off your hand off the piece, I pointed at it and looked at him again, my face going hot. And you only moved it back because you saw my queen was about to take it. Come off it, Granger, he scoffed. Stop trying to cheat. Cheat? I yelped. Why would I have to cheat? Because you can't beat me and you know it, Draco lifted a delicate eyebrow. But you won't let yourself admit that. And you and your blasted inferiority complex, it made you insufferable all through school. He shook his head and snorted. It never entered your mind that somebody might be just as clever as you and you can't bear it if... That's it! My head came up. I felt the blood drain out of my face. Draco's eyes flashed. What? He frowned. Unreasoning fury blistered in my chest. Then I lost it. My hand lashed out and sent all of the chess pieces clattering and spilling toward the floor. He jerked back and sat up, his blanket falling off. What are you doing? He yelled. That's it, I declared. No more. I can't take it anymore. Look what you did, you idiot. Draco waved both hands at the board. You've ruined the game. The game, Malfoy? I shrieked, leaping to my feet, fire rushing back into my cheeks. Really? Who cares about the stupid game? Or who wins or loses? I certainly don't. The only reason I was playing was because we were both about to go mad with boredom. That, and the fact that since we're obviously stuck here without any other company, and it doesn't look like there's much of a chance of us escaping anytime soon, I thought I might try to be some sort of friends with you. Draco's face flushed. He clambered to his feet and tried to say something, but I whirled and began pacing erratically and screaming. The sensible part of me told me that that was the most ridiculous idea I'd ever come up with and to give it up straight away, but the more optimistic and daft part of me thought he can't possibly be all wickedness. He did save me from the snakes, and he's come from a cruel family, and he can't help it if every single word that comes out of his mouth is rude and selfish. I gestured wildly with my heart pounding. I felt sick. But I give up. I give up. The sensible part of me was right. It was ridiculous to try it. I whirled on him and pointed at his frozen face. But you're not this way because you can't help it. I know that's not true. You're not stupid or gullible. In fact, you're brilliant, and you're braver than anyone realizes. And somewhere inside you, you want to be as good and strong as Harry is. But you're so jealous and prejudiced that you insist upon swinging back to the opposite direction every time. And if you happen to make an inch of progress toward becoming a decent human being, you make certain to take three steps back. It's like purposefully cutting off your nose to spite your face. That's preposterous, Draco spat. We're not first years anymore, Malfoy, I snapped. But my voice suddenly shook. Name-calling and jibing and all that rubbish had a place when we were eleven. But we're practically grown up now, and we're the only ones in this room. I flung my arms out to the sides. We have absolutely no magic between us and nothing but this tree and the field. I found his eyes again, everything inside me tumbling off my lips whether I wanted it to or not. Who cares about pure blood, half-blood, mud-blood nonsense in here? Draco's mouth fell open and his eyes went wide. But I wasn't finished. I took a step toward him, my head pounding like I had a fever. It doesn't matter at all. Not at all, I cried. But you're still acting as high and mighty and spiteful as you ever have. My fist closed and my chest tightened. You know better, Malfoy. I know you do. There's more to you than all that rubbish. 
My brow went taut, and something inside me shifted as I realized that I couldn't look away from his crystal blue eyes, and he couldn't look away from me. I've seen it when you forget yourself and laugh, I said earnestly, my voice breaking. Or when you're too tired to come up with something snappish to say, and you do something sweet, and you don't even know you're doing it. I swallowed. I still felt deathly cold, but I had to go on. His eyes, penetrating, captured, held mine. But for some reason, I took a shaking breath, you've decided that you are ashamed of any tendency you have toward good manners or chivalry or kindness or courtesy, and instead you do everything you possibly can think of to be vicious and insulting and degrading and and mean. I swallowed again, feeling like there was glass in my throat. My eyes started to burn. I've never met someone who takes so much pleasure in wounding people. I've never known anybody who made me feel as low and worthless as you do. I shook my head, raised my eyebrows, and motioned helplessly. You're intolerable. Nobody with any sensibilities at all can spend more than five minutes in your company because you treat everyone like garbage. I canted my head, gazing deeper, trying to get through to him. Is that really how you want to be remembered? As the boy who made everyone hate him? He just stared at me, shocked. I barely lifted an eyebrow. This was brutal to say, but I had to say it. It was what I had meant to say all along. It's why you don't have any friends. It's why I can't be your friend, even though I did try. I drew in another cold breath. But I'm through. I can't take it. I broke eye contact, spun, and headed toward the willow curtain. I put my hand on its wet, slick surface and pushed it aside and made to go out, even though it was still dark and pouring rain in the field. I paused and took a breath, lowering my head. I'd destroyed everything already. There was no reason for me not to finish. And you know what the, the really horrible part about all this is? I turned and met Draco's brilliant eyes. His breath went still. My brow twisted, and as regret and hurt and frustration swelled in my chest, I gave him a painful, trembling smile. You could have been great. And before he could snap back at me, I had swept out of the willow room and straight back into the storm. Draco, I had never hated someone so much in my life. The instant that mudblood left the willow room, my hand seared to hold my wand again and to strike her with the most vicious, torturous curse I could possibly come up with. Instead, I just clamped my jaw and my fists until I thought my bones would break, and every muscle began to twitch and spasm. Then I reached down, snatched up, yes, Virginia, there's a Santa Claus, and hurled it with all my strength at the tree trunk. The cover slapped. The binding broke. Pages ripped. The book crumpled to the ground like a shot bird. I lunged to it, grabbed it, ripped out more pages, crushed them, and threw them. Then took the cover, opened the curtain by the clock, and flung the cover out into the rain. It spun away into the darkness. My vision turned red, and I staggered sideways. I sucked in rapid breaths through my teeth, then bit the inside of my cheek until I tasted blood. I kicked the chessboard, but Granger had already demolished the game, so my blow did nothing but make noise. I wanted to scream something, something stabbing and eloquent and righteous, but I couldn't think through this boiling haze. I gnashed my teeth, made myself stop moving, and just stand, catching my breath. Then I bent, grabbed my blanket, threw it down near my own space, and sat down on it, folding my arms over my chest. Savage thunder rattled the willow. The heavy rain hissed and rushed. I lifted my chin. Her leaving the room had just proved how stupid she was. I hope she'd die out there.
Hermione. I didn't know how far I stumbled before I just collapsed, sobbing. I sat down hard as the rain pelted me, running down my face and my head and my shoulders, soaking into my clothes. The barley thrashed all around me and the wind howled like a pack of wolves. I drew my knees up and wrapped my arms around me tight and buried my forehead against the tops of my knees. I couldn't control my breath or the wrenching cries that pulled from my throat. The hot tears poured down my cheeks, and my whole body shuddered. Oh, please, I begged as the rain tripped off my nose. I squeezed my eyes shut. Oh, please, please let me out of here. Never mind what I asked for. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. Please, please let me out. But no door appeared in the air. No hatch appeared beneath me. The wind just kept whipping the barley, and rain beat down on my shoulders. And the room cried with me. Day 14. Draco. I was getting out of here. There was no question about it. I had made my decision. Nightmares, forest, monsters, dementors, I did not care. And Granger could go hang herself. As soon as this torrential rain let up, I would be marching straight out of this blasted willow and out of this wretched room of requirement. Except the rain didn't let up. In fact, I couldn't even tell the difference between day and night anymore. The storm was so thick, the rain clouds sat on the ground, and the wind I'd enjoyed earlier had been savage. Every time I leaned my face out through the branches, I got half-soaked, nearly had my eyes pulled out by the pelting water. And so I paced back and forth past the ruin of the chess game my hand clamped behind my back, my jaw clenched. The burning inside my chest hadn't gotten better, even after dozens of hours. My rage felt toxic. It was in my blood and pounded in my head. And my patience? Gone. Utterly. I whirled on the willow curtain and knocked it aside and stepped out, just a foot. The wind blasted the rain into my face. I pointed at the dark rolling sky. You let me out of here! I roared at the room. I've had it with this nonsense. I asked for a place to hide for a while, not a bloody prison. Give me the door. Now! But I could see nothing past the fog and the rain, and I couldn't hear anything except the wind. I cursed that room, using the foulest language I could come up with, spun back around, stomped straight toward the tree trunk, and started scrambling upwards. I hadn't climbed a tree for a couple years. There was one out on the Hogwarts grounds that I favored, because it was easy to get up into and even easier to get down from. But this willow's branches were smooth, and I was wet. There was a great danger of slipping and falling and breaking my neck. But I didn't think of it. I had to see out. I had to see over the top of this ridiculous cloudy mess. Perhaps if I got up there, I could put my hand up and feel the ceiling. I could break through. I could make noise alerting the rest of the school that I was trapped in here, and I could remind myself for certain that I was only in a room. Just a room. I slipped. I caught a stiff limb with my fingertips. My heart thundered. But that fury in my chest got rid of that fear as soon as it panged and roared. I restored my grip and kept climbing. Branches slapped my face and I gritted my teeth. Drops of rain began to strike my cheeks. I clawed upward. I know you're listening, you vile room, I gritted. I am tired of being nannied. I'm finished with you caging me in and pinning me here like I am some child. I attained the top, shoved the leaves out of my way, and broke the surface. The rain drenched me. Clouds boiled all around me. I struggled to keep my feet balanced on a thin branch as I gripped three or four higher ones in both hands. I twisted my neck, straining to see all around me through the falling water. Up above me, there was nothing but gray. 
Couldn't even see a faint glow of sun. I couldn't see the barley field below, either. A hole opened up inside me. This wasn't what you were meant for, you brainless water closet, I raged. This is an illusion. I know it is. You're worthless, you and your tricks. I will not fall for them anymore. I am not afraid of you. Let me out. Let me... My heel slipped. I jerked back. I bit my tongue. My hand scrabbled for a hold. The twig snapped. I fell. I crashed down through the branches. My back slammed into one wide limb. Then I tipped and thudded to the grass. For a long, horrifying moment, I couldn't breathe. My ribs felt shattered. I opened my mouth and tried to suck in air. It didn't work. I tried again, my heart racing, my hands pressed to my chest. Then, breath came. It rushed, cold and sharp, through my lungs. I rolled onto my side, gasping and coughing, seeing double. I wrenched myself up to my feet and staggered sideways. My left shoulder fell against the wood of that grandfather clock, the clock that had hovered over me like a sneering governess the entire time I'd been here, the clock that never ticked. I went blind with rage. I snapped my shoulders and put my fist right through the face of that clock. I didn't even look. Not until I was slowly drawing my shredded, bleeding hand back out through the jagged, razor-sharp shards of a glass that fell to the ground and jingled as they hit each other. I fell back, eyes going wide, heat draining from my head. I grabbed my right wrist as dark blood dripped down my fingers. I swallowed convulsively, then did it again. I fell down, backward, and my head hit the root. I kicked out in a spasm and my heel dug into the grass. My left hand clamped down on my wrist until both arms started to shake. I lay my head back and screamed through my teeth. But Granger wasn't in the room to hear me. And the room did not care. Day 15. Draco. I didn't know how it was possible. But he didn't stop bleeding. The rain kept coming down and blood kept oozing from the hundreds of lacerations on my white, scarlet hand. I laid back against the root, completely still, except for the trembling in my arms. I had thought of getting the blanket to staunch the bleeding, but it was halfway across the room. I absently remembered kicking it out of my way, and I knew that if I stood up, I would collapse and lose consciousness. I blinked slowly. It hurt. As much as my dark mark tattoo, if that were possible, and my skin was ice. Thunder rolled above me. My brow furrowed. I swallowed. My mouth was dry. How had I gotten here again? I remembered something about the Great Hall, and seeing Potter, and Katie Bell. I had gone to the bathroom to splash water on my face, because it had suddenly gotten hard to breathe. And Granger had found me, and asked if I needed the nurse, which surprised me. The thunder growled again, like a beast in the dark cage. I glanced dully toward the willow curtain. What had happened to her, out in that storm? Day 16. Draco. I snapped out of my stupor. My eyes opened to see the cold, blue light. I sucked in a breath, and then I doubled over, pressing my wounded hand to my chest. I howled. I was burning. There weren't any flames, but my whole arm was on fire, and it was spreading, straight up into my chest through my jugular veins, and into my head. Cold sweat broke out all over my body. The wind raged, whipping the willow curtain and sending sprays of rain inside to chill me. My gut turned. I swallowed, then swallowed again, trying to keep myself from retching. Short, moaning grunts rasped from my throat. I couldn't control them. 
My left hand got sticky from all the blood coating my right hand. The warm blood soaked my shirt. I heaved myself up onto my knees, trying to breathe, even as I saw spots before my eyes. But my breath ached, and all my flesh blazed. My stomach turned again, and I could only draw in half a breath. I was going to die. Terror unlike any I had ever felt launched through my whole body. I thrashed, letting out an incoherent plea, and started crawling toward the curtain. I couldn't die shut up in here, with my skin blistering and burning. I had to get out. The rain had to put out the fire. I fell through the curtain and rain doused my head and shoulders. I squeezed my eyes shut and kept pushing myself out, dragging my knees through the grass. I only made it perhaps three feet out into the stormy field before I couldn't go any further. All of my muscles had turned to liquid, and I could just kneel there, head low, rain streaming down my body. Then I twitched. Hard. The fire didn't go away. It worsened, like I had just had acid dumped on my head. Unbelievable, excruciating pain washed through me. But I couldn't scream. I couldn't fight it off. I had no more strength, so I just trembled violently, hugging my arms to my chest, tears running down my face. I had hit the clock, broken part of the room, and as punishment, it was killing me. I had nowhere to go, and nobody to help me. I was going to groan out my last breath by myself in this pouring rain, and nobody would come looking for me. Nobody even knew where I was. Nobody but Granger. But would she come looking for me? Why would she? She'd made it perfectly plain that she hated me. No, she hadn't said that. She said she tried to be my friend. My stomach churned. I moaned and collapsed forward, my forehead pressing into the dirt. My shoulders shuddered as the tongues of invisible flame lashed my back and neck and head. I'd never expected my life to end so quickly. I'd hoped to have time to do something great, something earth-shattering with it. But I didn't have any more time. This was it. So what did I have to show for my sixteen years? I fell onto my side, screwing my eyes shut. I was a prefect, I was a good student, I'd made the Quidditch team. A new wave of agony swept over me. I'd become a Death Eater. I'd been commanded to murder an innocent man. Yes, Dumbledore was innocent. In that moment, my mind was clear and I couldn't lie to myself anymore. It was the truth. Though I thought him foolish and incompetent, my headmaster hadn't done anything worthy of being stabbed in the back in his office, without the chance of fighting back. I'd become an instrument of Voldemort, the one who'd murdered Harry Potter's parents and countless others, the one who was happiest when everything was dark and grim and hopeless. I'd driven away everybody who could have been close to me. I'd even been rejecting Professor Snape's uncharacteristic offers to protect me. I had wanted to be alone, and fought for my isolation, and at the same time had mourned my loneliness and the fact that I had no one to confide in and nobody to help me. Nobody who cared about me at all. Except my mother, and bitterly I admitted that that didn't count. Mothers love their children even if they are the most wicked, worthless pieces of scum on the earth. I was more alone in this moment than I'd ever been in my life, and for the first time, I couldn't blame it on anyone but myself. My wand had been gone for weeks, I hadn't cast a single real spell in all that time, my magical blood meant nothing. I'd been alone in a field and a willow, battling pain, frustration, boredom, and confusion. Alone with Granger. Hermione. Hermione, who hadn't said a rude or insulting thing to me for ages before the day that she stormed out. Hermione, who had taught me to fly a kite, and played chess with me for without complaining, 
and walk beside me day after day in the field, filling the solitude with her comments about the clouds and the wind. Hermione, who, despite my cruelty, disregard, superiority, and flippancy, had tried to be kind to me, had felt sympathy for somebody who hated her. She had tried to be my friend. She was the first person in my life who had actually tried to be my friend in spite of who I was, instead of because of who I was. And I, thinking myself clever and above her, had rejected that offer, the first offer of actual friendship I'd ever received, like it was a cup of bad tea, because of her parentage, and mine. Because I didn't know what it was I had been throwing away. And now I was staring death in the face. I could feel my limbs going cold and numb. My consciousness flickered and my breath shallowed. I was going to go out of this world with no one beside me. Nobody to hold my hand. Nobody to stroke my head and tell me it would be easier on the other side. Nobody to shed a single tear. In fact, I knew of several people who would breathe a sigh of relief after I was gone. And a few people who would smirk. Some who would just shrug their shoulders. All of them, just people. People I could have known and laughed with. People who might have come after me when I had sought isolation and asked me what was wrong. People who might have tried to find me if I disappeared. People who could have given me the strength to keep from becoming what I had become. People called friends, real ones, like Potter had. I released a long, terrible moan and thrashed once. My body was giving its last attempts to save me. Despite my lineage and my home and my ancient family crest and my brilliant new broom, Potter was richer than I would ever be. He'd been wise enough to make friends with Hermione Granger, a brave, brilliant witch who was capable of giving a person more compassion than he deserved. Yes, she was muggle-born. But did half-blood, pure-blood, mud-blood truly matter when a person was dying on the ground? I gulped, my final breath wheezing out of me. I would rather have Hermione beside me than be here all alone. In fact, I would rather have her here than anyone else in the world. Something broke inside of me. I gasped. Coolness, like water broken through a dam, rushed through my whole body. My eyes snapped open. The rain turned warm and soft. My shuddering calmed. And then my hand. I shifted my broken hand so I could see it. Rain poured down on the back of it and my fingers. The blood started to wash away. Beneath it, there were no wounds. I stared, stunned as the pain faded and the blood dripped off, revealing unbroken, pale skin beneath. Weakly, but feeling strength come back into my bones, I sat up. I held out my arms as the rain drenched them, washing out the stains on my shirt that the blood had made. The rain hit my face and bathed the tears from my cheeks. It felt good, like the first rain of spring. I sat there for hours, soaking wet, my eyes closed, my heart beating very hard and heavy. Calm settled down inside me, and I opened my eyes. The rain faded, then stopped. The clouds thinned, but did not leave entirely. The fog disappeared. A warm wind blew through the field. It dried the barley and restored its soft, happy rustling. It dried me, my hair, my shirt, my trousers, my face. I took a deep breath. It was easy. I turned my head. Far off on the other side of the field, I saw the back of a girl's head. Hermione had been out in the field all this time. I took another breath. Then, slowly, I got to my feet and went to the willow. Hermione. 
I have no idea how long it rained. Maybe hours, maybe days. It didn't matter. I just sat there, letting the warm rain drench me and mingle with my tears. My heart ached and my thoughts wandered. The roar of the wind faded into the back of my consciousness. And then, the rain eased, and it stopped altogether. The fog lifted and a warm wind blew it away. I lifted my head. The clouds remained, but they were drifting away, like soldiers weary of fighting. The barley rustled and whispered as it dried. The wind played through my hair for several hours until it was dry as well. I drew in a deep breath. The air smelled like springtime. Did I hear a bird twittering somewhere far away? I turned. The willow stood still there, looking as peaceful as ever. And then, the curtain parted. Somebody stepped out. A white head, pale face, tall, strong form. Draco. He was walking toward me. I turned back around and clamped my jaw shut. I interlaced my fingers and gripped them tightly. I did not look at him, and I didn't say a word. The grass crackled with his footsteps as he got closer. I felt him come up beside me. He sat down. Our shoulders were not six inches apart. He brought his knees up and rested his elbows on them. My heartbeat sped up, but I still wouldn't look at him. Then he held out his pale right hand, palm down, fingers closed, like he was handing me something. My brow tightened. Slowly, I reached out my left hand and opened my fingers. He set something light and smooth in the hollow of my hand, and his warm fingers brushed mine. I stared at what he had handed me. It was a black chess piece. His knight. Your move. His voice brought my head up. It was quiet and deep, without an edge. I met his eyes. For just a moment, he held my gaze in his blue ones. Then he looked out again. As the clouds dispersed, a golden sunrise came into view. Together, Draco and I sat there, watching it, not saying a word, as the daylight spread his cloak across us and turned these fields of nightmares back into our brilliant fields of gold. <laughs>